Awesome. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you today. If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm one of the lucky guys that gets to serve here. I'm one of the pastors. And today we are beginning our first of six weeks through, verse by verse, a series called Supernatural. Supernatural. And we're going to be looking just at a few verses. Ephesians chapter 10, verse, excuse me, 6, there is no Ephesians chapter 10, (laughs) chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. And what you're going to hear all month from us is what it means to be prepared for a spiritual battle. Your exposure to the spiritual world might have been in this classic 80s film, who are you going to call? Yes, that's right. When something strange is going on in your neighborhood, you're going to call Ghostbusters. That may be your introduction to the supernatural. Maybe yours was, do you remember that film, Sixth Sense? How many, honestly, would just be honest with me and said, too much for you, you turned it off, scared you to death. Anybody? I'm serious. Melissa and I saw it together. Stu, yeah, scared me to death. Oh, okay, yeah, we, that's my point. We, neither of us did. I was scared. <laughs> scared to death. That kind of stuff creeps me out. Maybe you took the plunge and saw another film called The Exorcist. I don't know what you're... I hope not, because uh, those images, oh my gosh. Whatever. You've had some exposure to the supernatural today, and, or in your lifetime. And, and how about that supernatural story we heard from our chaplain? What a great story. And what I want you to know, there's kind of a couple extremes when it comes to understanding the supernatural. One of them is to believe what was articulated in that 1995 film, The Usual Suspects, when one uh, very guile-filled character said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. So that's one extreme, okay? that perhaps the devil has accomplished in your life. But I think the place where you want to be when it comes to recognizing the supernatural is listening attentively to the words of God's Son, Jesus Christ, who resurrected from the dead, when he described the supernatural in this way. He said, the thief, that's one of about 15 terms to use to describe the devil. One of about 15 The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it to the full. So Jesus himself recognized the supernatural. As a matter of fact, it might be interesting for you to know that when Jesus recruited his disciples, he recruited them for three reasons. One, to preach the gospel with him throughout Israel. Two, to be with him. He wanted just a good hang with his bros, but three, to cast out demons, full-time, not part-time, full-time. So Jesus himself engaged the supernatural. And as I read the text from Ephesians 6, 10 through 24 this morning, let me just remind you, everything this author, Paul, wrote, he said he got directly from Jesus. So today you're going to hear content that is from Jesus as it relates to the supernatural. This isn't someone's opinion. 
This is what Jesus, right-hand worker, the Apostle Paul, was given by the Lord. So you're going to hear from Jesus this morning what it means to find extraordinary strength. Extraordinary strength in everyday battles. And the question we're going to answer this morning is this. What are the four errors I must avoid about the battle? What are the four errors I must avoid about the battle? So, the, the, this, the overview today, this is where we're going. Four points. The enemy, the equipment, the empowerment, and the encouragement. You ready? Because what if it's possible you're not, you're not recognizing there's an enemy? Or what if, you, what if you think your real enemy is someone it's not? Here we go. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Jesus wants you buff in the Lord. And in His mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. Now in just a moment, I'm going to read the metaphor that Jesus gave Paul to describe how we are to be equipped in the spiritual battle we face. And let me just tell you, don't allow the metaphor to upstage the theology. Don't allow the armament, the equipment essentials, and you're wearing them to upstage the theology here that is, has incredible power in your life, if you'll allow it. Some of you may have never actually really grappled with this theology. Here it is, and I've highlighted, hi, highlighted the key theological terms here. I'll, I'll move slowly. Let's start. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. His native language is lying. And you've been given the belt of truth. Truth. Buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness. You've been given a righteousness, if you believe in Jesus Christ, appropriated to you by the death of Christ on the cross, appropriated to you, imputed in your life. You've been, you're considered righteous before God today. That's the truth. Which is pretty good if you consider how we drive. But not only has it been imputed or appropriated to you, you've been given a spirit that is trying to develop Christ's character and righteousness in you each and every day so that you live in practical day normalcy like you stand legally before God. It's two, full. Make sense? Okay. In place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of... Oh, good word. The peace. Christ, peace is one of the three triplets that describes someone from the kingdom of heaven. Peace, joy, and righteousness. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of 
let's just pause here. The shield of faith. Do you know, if you're experiencing lots of challenges, this shield is designed to protect you during your stress. But unique to the Roman legionnaire, they use their shields together. There's strength having a shield by yourself, but when you've got someone next to you, or a, a team around you with shields, you're protected. And when you know that you're saved, you know that you stand right before God, you got that in your head, it'll, it'll help you fight like you got nothing to lose. And the sword of the Spirit, which he defines as, which is the Word of God. You have God's Word. God's Word available to you to speak to your heart daily, to speak to your mind, and to equip you. So what are the four errors I must avoid about the battle? First is the enemy. Don't be naive. Don't be naive. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Don't be naive. You have an enemy. Know your battlefield. We do not, Christians, we are not called to fight a war in the flesh. Unless we're called upon by our government, we do not battle according to the way the world does. Paul wrote to the church in 2 Californians, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Our our battle is not against the Republicans. It's not against our president. Sorry to disappoint. Our battle is not against our Speaker of the House. Our battle is not against the Democrats. Our battle is against strongholds, like racism, like pornography, like the value of life from the womb to senility, where, where, we'll, where we have and will all experience. Those are strongholds, like those strongholds of indebtedness that tie families down, that can lead to Fragmented homes. The stronghold of keeping families together. These are strongholds that we're fighting for. That we want to we see addressed. We don't fight against each other. We love each other. In fact, we're known as for our love. Jesus said, I want you to be known by your love for one another. Turn to your neighbor and said, yeah. Yeah. And say, yeah. Know your battlefield. It's not the flesh. Know your enemy. Your enemy is, there's what we call the unholy trinity. Your enemy is the world, which is the enemy around us. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Then there's our own flesh, our own human nature, the enemy within us. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. We... Whatever, whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will, will, will reap eternal life. We have this 
battle going on in our hearts that desires the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of the life, the pride of life. And when Jesus' Spirit comes into us, what's awesome is we don't want to do those things. In fact, sometimes we can't as we grow. Can't do it. How come? Greater is He that's in me than he that's in this world. Even that's He that's in, that wars inside of me. And then, of course, there's the, the devil above us. <clears throat> the enemy above us. Who's a single entity. A single entity but he's got a lot of demons working for him. Know your victory. Jesus' brother said, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you've got great victory opportunity in your battle. Know his tactics. His tactics are to destroy destruction, temptation, and accusation. He wants to humiliate you. He wants, he wants you on Facebook. He wants you humiliated on Natoma's neighborhood or Nextdoor or Twitter or Snapchat or all that stuff. He wants, he, wants to destroy, he wants to devour you, deceive you, and discourage you. And interestingly, he's more interested in his schemes than you personally. He prowls around like a roaring lion. And we have those on occasion in Natoma's. <laughs> Can you imagine being out for a morning run that day? Yeah, you cannot outrun that beast. <laughs> so this is how he works. He works with uh, accusation. He wants to deflate you. He wants to exaggerate God's holiness and let you know you could never have a relationship with him. He wants to hide the love of God, saying God could never love you. He wants to discourage you and say, you did what? You selfish little piece of. And he wants to say, you're finished. Why don't you just end it? That's, that's him. Why? Because he's a killer. He's a killer. Don't be nice to the devil. Don't be compassionate towards the devil. He's a killer. And, in, and, and the way he'll tempt, whereas... The way he'll accuse you is he'll deflate you, but when he wants to tempt you, he'll inflate you. He'll say, hey, dude, you are something else. You're better than everyone here. Man, you got some swag juice that just is, is just un, un, it just never runs out. Your cup runneth over. God. He'll exaggerate the love of God. God loves you so much, you just do what you feel like. You the lady. You just spend away. Hey, he, he wants to hide the holiness of God. God's not that holy. Come on, man. He makes mistakes. He wants to encourage you. You can do this. Come on, man. Be a man. Be a, be a, take your role. Or he'll want to say, you're fine. When you need to repent. When you've got a habit that's becoming an addiction that is owning you. You're a slave. You're not fighting a battle. First is the enemy. Don't be naive. We have an enemy. Secondly is the equipment. Don't be negligent. I already referenced the equipment here earlier. Just in summary, the equipment is described as two offensive weapons, shoes and a sword. Three were considered defensive weapons, breastplate, shield, helmet. 
Hey, what's the key to, to a great basketball team? What is it? Or a great football team? Defense. When you go to a Kings game, what do we yell out really loud? Defense. Say it with me. Defense. Defense. Say it with me. Let's act like we're Kings fans. One, two, three. Defense. 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 That's what will protect you in the battle we're in. Defense. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. Takes a little extra work to do that. Protect yourself. The essentials are equipment. Don't be negligent. Let me tell you, a, a military soldier, we have one in, in uh, Kuwait uh, that I heard about this morning, a military soldier would never dream of, of going out into the public without his essential equipment on. Let me tell you, SAC PD, while on duty, would never dream of going out into our streets without his or her equipment on. Negligence for us may be an unawareness of the fact that Jesus has provided us equipment to wear each and every day. Our negligence might be that He's equipped us and we don't put our equipment on. Don't be naive. Don't be negligent. Thirdly, don't be neutral. Don't be neutral. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests and be alert. Always keep on praying in the Lord's presence. We have been given Jesus' Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's called the paraclete. He comes alongside us. He's our defender. He's our advocate. He's our comforter. He's our teacher. He leads us. He prompts us. He guides us daily. And the strategy of Jesus is that we're born of the Spirit. We're sealed by the Spirit. We bear fruit by the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. We use the gifts of the Spirit. We preach in the power of the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. We're comforted by the Spirit. And we know the fellowship of the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit and we use the sword of the Spirit. What does it mean to let the Spirit use you? In 1930, King George V was to give the opening address at a special disarmament conference with the speech relayed by radio to the United States. As this broadcast was about to begin, a cable broke in the New York radio station and more than a million listeners were left without sound. A junior mechanic in the station, Harold Vivian, solved the problem by picking up both ends of the cable and allowing 250 volts of electricity to pass through him. Living like that allowed the king's message to get through. When you walk in the Spirit, you're denying your flesh and you're letting the king's message get through you. Vivian, chief control operator, grasped the wires together in his hands to restore the circuit. Leakage of current through his body to the floor shook his arms with spasms, but he held on without a break for 20 minutes until new wires could be connected. The Huntville journal, journalist, Huntville Daily Times, January 21st, 1930, the journalist writes, his arms twitching with shocks from electric current, Harold Vivian, a young radio engineer, literally spliced with his body a broken link in the vast hookup and made it possible to listeners in on 59 North American radio stations to hear King George's speech today. I looked for an image of Harold Vivian. I could not find one online. 
That's what it means to be a servant. You don't need the attention online. You just want to serve and let the Holy Spirit use you. You want to hear from Jesus someday, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of my kingdom. That means a willingness to humble yourself, to deny yourself, and let the Spirit work through you. Here, always be reminded that the same grace that saves us is the same grace that gives us energy and encouragement to do the work God's called us to do. And sometimes it's hard. I think one tool you can use for your spiritual warfare is this tool that we use at Adventure. Our, we call this our Adventure Accessory to help you fulfill our mission of bringing Jesus hope. Begin each day with prayer. Give Jesus your best 15 minutes of each day. Listen to those around you. Be a great listener who's not always thinking about what he or she wants to say next. Eat together. When you get a chance to be with someone, there's great opportunity for victory when you have a good meal with someone. And here's the pretty much a truth for most of the planet. We all eat. And sometimes we skip breakfast. But we can all have lunch or dinner with somebody. Seize the opportunity. Even if you're at a restaurant and it's appropriate, sit next close to someone. When you get a chance, serve someone. Serve them. Put them first. And then, when you've earned the right, share your Jesus story. As we get ready for Easter, April 21st, you know spring's just 17 days away. You know that, right? Spring's coming. Spring's coming. More sunlight. I can't promise that, but I'm hopeful of it. But we want you to start blessing your neighbors, because when you do, they might accept your invitation to come to Easter services here on the 21st of April. I'm telling you, weird things happen when you pray for your neighbors. Last week, he might be in here this weekend, I prayed for a neighbor I hadn't prayed for in a while. He's never been to church. He showed up. Awesome. I was so excited. Pray for your neighbors. When you pray, Jesus works. He works. It's a way, it's an offensive weapon you have. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. If the Son of God had to commit to praying daily, who are we to think we can, we can skip our way through the week without ever spending time with Him? Come on. You're not that good. Sorry to deflate you. You're good. You're God's child, but you need to go to your Father and pray regularly. You need Him. You need His strength. The enemy, don't be naive. You have an enemy. The essentials, don't be negligent. You've got a lot of equipment. You wear in your equipment, The empowerment, don't be neutral. Don't be neutral. Commit. Harold Vivian committed. He committed. Lastly, the encouragement, be normal. So Paul has just kind of flown this theological plane like a U-2 reconnaissance jet up at 70,000 feet showing us in Ephesians the spiritual battle that's going on. He took us up up to a very high altitude. And now he's going to bring us down in bring us down to earth by sending a normal dude to come encourage the believers in Ephesus. And that whole region, this letter would have been circulated in the first century. He says this, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. 
I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Paul's able to take something very lofty and bring it down into normal human interaction. Though we're in a spiritual battle, we want our humanity to breathe and ooze the love of Jesus Christ and the encouragement that comes from Jesus Christ. And then Paul says, Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Does that describe you? Listen to this. And the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Does that describe you? Do you love the Lord Jesus? Have you, have you been able to kind of let go of all the religion, all the gook, and hold on to Jesus? I hope you have, because he's the one that wants to live inside of you. Maybe today you make a first-time decision to let Jesus in and help you with the spiritual battle that you're in every day and give you extraordinary strength. On June the 6th, 1944, hundreds of Navy vessels from our allies stormed three beaches in France to initiate D-Day. It was, it was the most decisive battle for us to overcome, with all of our allies, the, the German strongholds that were amazing. And it required the, the lives of about 30,000. 30,000 are buried in three different uh, French-American cemeteries in France. This was D-Day. D-Day is to is to World War II what the cross is to the Christian life. D-Day was the day we knew we were going to win. We defeated the strongest beachhead required to defeat the Germans. When Christ died for your sins and was buried and resurrected from the dead, the war was won. But in the same way that D-Day was followed by, in the U.S. alone, a couple hundred thousand more casualties in the European amphitheater. The Christian life will be followed after the cross with lots of challenges and lots of injuries and lots of casualties. It's hard. We're going to get beat up. Hopefully not physically, but it's possible. I got an email from our missionary in northeastern India this week, Matthew Abbey, who said, pray for our ministry. My wife and I were beat with rods on a Sunday night during the worship service. Let me tell you, their ministry this, this year, their plans this year, they're holding 750 VBS weeks. I know there's not that many weeks in a year, but they're a church of 100,000. And they're going to show the Jesus film in Bihar to 1,500 times this year. And while they were worshiping, some Hindu radicals went in and beat them 
Now, is there fight against the Hindu radicals? No. It's against a stronghold that wants to resist Jesus. That describes what happens after the cross. It's hard. And honestly, fellow brothers and sisters, fellow Sacramentans, fellow Natomans, fellow Californians, we've got to be willing to take some injury for the gospel because we love, not because we're rude, but because we love life. We've got to be willing to take some hits. You know what happened? Less than a year later, May 8th, 1945, anyone want to say it? VE Day. Victory in Europe. Let me tell you, victory in Europe, it was over. Less than a year after, those beaches of Germany, those beaches of France, and defeating those incredible German bunkers and strongholds. Victory in Europe. Victory. What is our victory? When's our victory day? I'll tell you when it is. It's Revelation chapter 22. When Jesus himself, rather, when, when Jesus himself says this, when, yes, I am coming soon. And what's your response today? I hope it's this. Read it with me. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Are you ready to see him face to face? Are you ready for your body to be transformed? Many of you have asked about my stepdad who passed this week. You know what excites me about him? He fought Parkinson's for 16 years, and he's got a new body now. One time he was in a high school football game, and he caught a reception. The game was being played at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. My guess is he's out playing ball right now. New body, speed. He's got that 4-2, 40 speed. That's VE day for us. You ready for that day? Here's how I want to end. The thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come... That was really well-timed. <laughs> Thanks for coming to rehearsal Thursday. That worked beautifully. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, that's... Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil. Get out of there. Here's the good. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I don't know about you fellow Californians. I want life to the full in this state. I want good living. I can't wait to go up to Tahoe when there's a little less snow. <laughs> Life to the full comes with Jesus living right here in you. Okay? In your marriage, in your parenting, in your, in your work ethic, in the way you love your neighbors. Today, where are you at? Are you naive? Are you negligent? Are you neutral? Are you willing to be a brother like Tychicus? and love people, and encourage them. I'm going to give you a chance right now. We're going to pray, and I want you to just tell Jesus how you need to protect yourself with extraordinary strength in everyday battles. You just tell him. Maybe one of you is here, and you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus Christ. I want to give you a chance to today. And maybe there's someone here and you're like, wait a second, the devil's a liar? Is, is he the person that's been lying inside of my head for years? Making me think I'm not valuable, making me think I'm not important, 
making me think I can't do it? I can answer that question for you. Yes. Maybe you need to ask for truth in your head. Okay? May I lead you in a prayer? Maybe just to ready yourself for everyday battle. Heavenly Father, we know we heard from Jesus today because he gave these words to Paul about everyday battles and extraordinary strength therein. And right now, we simply want to say, hey, we want to fight our battles. We don't want to be neutral. We don't want to be naive. We don't want to fail to be equipped. Oh, but we want to be like Tychicus. We want to be encouraging. We want to be gracious. We want our speech seasoned with salt. We want to be known for our love, our patience, our kindness, our goodness, our gentleness, our self-control. We want to be your disciples. Please help us do that.